the late 80s, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast Pat Trek. My continuing mission to introduce my friend Patrick to the best show that ever ran on television. And to boldly go where millions of white guys with glasses have gone before. This is the show where my friend, Pat O'Rourke, introduces me, Patrick Winnegar, to Star Trek The Next Generation, a show that I've never seen. And I have seen a ton of times. And Patrick, welcome back to my house, man. Yeah. the uh, All the construction is done. Uh-huh. You've got a full wall now. There's walls. Yeah, we got walls now. <laughs> yeah. It's different rooms. It's not one giant you can't, room. You can't yell from one side of the house to the other. I know, and I keep doing that. I'm like, Lauren, have you seen? And she's like, huh? I'm like, oh, that's right. We have walls. Yeah. Uh, well, we're talking about the episode First Contact. First Contact. Not, not to be confused with the movie. Not the movie. Mm-mm. Yeah. So I think somebody asked me, like, oh, have you seen this movie? No. Uh, I have seen zero Star Trek movies. Well, actually, <laughs> I, I saw Wrath of Khan on TV, like, a long time ago. Yeah. That's it. How could you avoid so Wrath of if, Khan? So if something was in a movie, no, I did not see it. Yeah. Though. No, the premise of the show is that I do not know anything about <laughs> Star Trek. I, I think we cover that. Yeah. Yeah. Right yeah. at the beginning. Right. <laughs> well, uh, have you ever seen the show Cheers or I have Frasier? seen Cheers, and I have seen Frasier. That brings me to the fun fact. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Did you recognize somebody? Well, I thought that the Chancellor was Robert Stack from Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> sounds it, like Robert it Stack. It sounds like him, but it wasn't. No. But that nurse, I think she's a nurse. Right. That woman who shows up and has a very weird scene with Riker. Yeah, that was a very odd scene. Yeah, that's um, B.B. Newirth. Yeah, uh, Lilith. Lilith. From Frasier. Yeah, and Cheers. And Cheers. From both. Frasier and Cheers, B.B. Newirth. Yeah. Has a weird scene where she has sex with Riker because he's For an no alien. Reason For no whatsoever. reason. There's no reason this needs to happen. I think it was just like a celebrity cameo. Yeah, well, it also proves my theory. That Riker doesn't chase the ladies. The okay. ladies chase Riker. <laughs> well, that is specifically what happened in this scenario. Yeah, it happens all the time. They yeah. come right up to him, and they're like, literally, all I've ever wanted to do is to have sex with an alien, is what she says to him. Yeah. He did nothing but it's, stand there. It's very odd. Ah, Riker and that charm. <laughs> well, <laughs> I have a uh, Patrick's log for February 18th, mm. 1991, and it is... An Olympics-themed one. Ooh. The Winter Olympics are, are this week. Oh, that's right. This one is six East German Olympic champions reportedly used steroids in mid-80s. Oh, no way. Steroids. Yeah. So it's uh, from Bonn, Germany, which used to be the capital of West Germany. Uh, six former East German Olympic champions, including shot putters Udo Beyer and Ulf Timmerman and discus thrower Jürgen Schult, used anabolic steroids during the mid-80s, according to Der Spiegel magazine. So I guess this was a big Olympic scandal back then. Mm. Uh, by this point, East Germany was uh, reunited with the West. Uh, I think that happened in, like, 1990. Uh, but now I guess all this other stuff came out because they would have an, a, a united Olympic team by this point. Yeah. So now Germany would have to deal with all the fallout <laughs> from this shit. 
Because now they're like, oh, yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah. Weren't the Russians doping this year? No. Yeah, that what? happened this year. Yeah, the Russians were. Yeah, there were the. I think initially their entire team was disqualified, but now I think it's just the hockey team. Oh. Uh, a lot of other people got cleared, but I think it was like, I could have this wrong. I think it was the Russian hockey team ah, that yes. found was doping. Doping is something that many of the countries do every year, it seems. Yeah, pretty or every much. Olympics. Yeah, there's like a constant Olympic scandal. Mm-hmm. But this yep. was the only headline I found that was not about the first Gulf War, so that's why I read this. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, I don't want to... trying to keep it happy. Don't want to saturate it with... Uh... <laughs> so, yeah, let's get into it. First let's Contact. It. Not, the, not the movie, but the episode. Uh, we see at the opening... Like a crash cart in a hospital, you know, someone on a stretcher is being wheeled in. We see glimpses of beard, right, as they go flying. I don't know exactly who this is yet, but we know we're not on the Enterprise. There's a lot of alien language and and pink walls. Pink walls. There's a weird writing uh, system, Mm -hmm. and we have these two doctors who have like flippers for hands and (laughs) bumps on their heads, (laughs) and they're going over their patient who looks a lot like, you know, looks kind of familiar. We don't see his face yet. Mm-mm. They're just talking hair, about yeah, brown they're ta- hair. And yeah, they're hair. talking about how it's weird that he has toes. Mm-hmm. Like, and they have like it's like oh, he has digits on his hands, and yeah, they remove his heart is in the wrong wearing. place, and all this stuff. And then they look at his uh, face. And it goes in on his face, and it's Riker. What? It's Riker, but he's got these weird bumps on his brow. Yeah, like, they've done this before. What what episode do they do that in? Uh, when they're on that, when they're observing that planet, and that planet's not ready for, uh, for first contact yet, they dress up and they change their. They have cosmetic oh, surgery yeah. to look like them. Okay. Yeah, and then one time they did cosmetic surgery to look like Klingons. Didn't they do that? I, that sounds right. A lot of that these kind of run yet together. Or next, but I don't know. A lot of these kind of run together. They're very good at plastic surgery on the Enterprise. But it turns out that is what happened here. You know, mm-hmm. we. You know, after the reveal that it's Riker, it goes to the intro. When we come back, there's uh, this doctor, and his name is Dr. Beryl, or Burrell or something. <laughs> like Beryl? I don't know. I, they only said his name a couple times, but he's the doctor. He's a very poor doctor. And he's grilling Riker. He's like, what is the deal with you? Like, all of your organs are in the wrong place. You got toes, man. No one's got toes. Who needs toes? And... uh, uh. Riker is basically riffing. He's like, my name is Rivas Jakara. I'm from this place called Marta on the southern continent. You know, the southern continent. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know the southern continent. <laughs> the continent that's south of us. That's uh, the normal thing to call it. Mm-hmm. I like how all of these planets they go to, they're just like eastern continent or western continent. <laughs> they don't have names. They don't yeah. have names. Uh, yeah, he says, yeah, I just have a genetic deformity. And they're like, yeah, we noticed that the... Uh, bumps on your head are surgically attached. And he's like, yeah, it's another genetic deformity. And they're like, yeah, what's up with your hands? I've never seen this before. And he's like, yeah, every every person in my family has it. It's really weird. My doctor's a lot more familiar with it than than you are. Which, at this point, I can kind of relate, because uh, me and almost every male on my dad's side of the family uh, that are that came from his mom have webbed toes. Mm-hmm. And that's, I don't I guess it comes from being Irish bog people, but like, <laughs> uh, 
Are yeah. you uh, an alien? I don't think so. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure I'm not. Okay. Yeah, I've got a birth certificate and, <laughs> you know. Maybe your dad's an alien. Maybe my dad's an alien. I don't know. He's certainly pretty weird. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah. How so many he, nipples do you have? Just two. Oh. Just the regular amount of okay. nipples. Yeah. All right. So Riker basically tells them that he has all of these genetic abnormalities. That's why he's like this. Mm-hmm. Doesn't totally convince the doctors. They're like, well, okay. I mean, we've never seen an alien before, but they're <laughs> starting to like kind of suspect that right. maybe this guy's not one of them. But yeah, so the doctors are not totally convinced, so they have a guard post outside of his uh, door, and they say 29 hours a day. So we know that they're on a totally different planet mm-hmm. uh, from Earth. It's nothing like it. Uh, these people are called the Malkorians, by the way. They look kind of like what Riker is dressed up as, except their hands are totally different. He was wearing gloves when he showed up, yeah. so he was in disguise. All they did was facial surgery. They yeah. didn't do anything with his uh, Seems appendages. like they would uh, try to do that. If he's... I don't think he was supposed to be there very long. Oh. I think he was supposed to show up, check in on the observation really? team, and get out of there. They never explain how he got hurt. Huh. Which I thought was really interesting. Oh, okay. We definitely started this story in the middle. Yeah. Uh, the next scene, we're in like this office, and it's like the president's office. There's uh, a scientist there, Marasta Yale, and she's talking about warp drive to Chancellor Durkin. He's like the head of the planet. And she's trying to get more funding for science and try to get this warp drive off the ground. And I do know that with Star Trek, when they get that warp drive, that's when they start getting contacted by the Federation. Yeah. Um, there's this other guy, Krola, who I thought was John Cleese at first. It's not just a guy that looks like him. There's a lot of that in this episode. Right. It's not Robert Stack and not John Cleese. Nope. But so, Bebe's definitely there. Uh, yeah. So Bebe. I want to keep saying Bebe. Bebe's kids. Remember Bebe's kids? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, we don't cry, we multiply. <laughs> so Krola is the guy that looks like John Cleese, and he's a security officer, and he's just a real piece of shit. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, shooting down everything. He doesn't want anything to change. And he's saying that people are frightened and confused by this warp uh, stuff, and you, you got to cut it out. And Marasta, the scientist, doesn't like that. Yeah. So later on, we see her leaving, and she's like heading into her office and grumbling. And that is when Counselor Troy and Captain Picard beam in out of nowhere. And here we go. Counselor yeah. Troy's big moment. First contact with another alien. She's right. doing her job. She's in the zone. Yeah. She's going to make a big difference in this episode, right, Patrick? No, she's, this is it. This is the only scene that she's in. <laughs> that's that's it. Her entire job. Oh, no, this is her job. Her entire job is to like get other people's feelings and empathy, and they have her do absolutely nothing. Yes. Well, like she does stuff in this one. Like She helps... Picard explain. She says hello, and then she's gone for the rest of the episode. Now Picard's just showing up solo style. Right. And it seems like if you have a person whose entire purpose (laughs) is to (laughs) essentially read people's minds. I mean, they say it's not reading people's minds. It's mind reading. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wouldn't you want to use that in some first contact scenario? Seems like you would. What's the counselor's job? Yeah, I know. If it's not to do something like this. Yeah. But nope. All they do is they say, hey, uh, here's the deal with First Contact. We noticed that you are probably more open-minded than a lot of people, Marasta, so good for you. Um, We are aliens, and you are getting warp drive technology. So just to ease your transition 
into the rest of the universe to make sure that you don't accidentally get destroyed by somebody, we're going to help you Mm -hmm. if you want. You know, we're just making this kind of contact, and we would like to uh, reach out to the rest of your society when the time is right. And she seems a little skeptical at first, and they say, you know what, we can prove it to you. We can take you onto the ship. And she says, okay, I'd like that. So they beam all of them back onto the Enterprise. And they go into 10 forward first. We see one of those blue guys, uh, the blue barber guy. Yeah. Um, but it's not the barber. It's a different blue guy. It's a different blue guy? Okay. I don't know. Maybe it's the barber. Well, the point is there's a lot of different aliens and shit mm-hmm. hanging out in 10 forward. But is it the barber? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and Marasta is just uh, amazed by all of this. Yeah. You know, she sees all these different aliens. The, her people only know of themselves. and They think they're the center of the universe. That's what she says. She was like, our entire theology and belief system is based on the idea that we are superior beings and we're the only ones there and we're the center of the universe. If you introduce this to people, first thing, you're going to blow their minds. <laughs> so I would suggest that you, you know, maybe chill out with introducing this to people. And they kind of explain how the first contact works. And they're like, you know, we picked up your radio transmissions through space. We, we try to listen to your music and, like, your humor and pop culture and stuff just to get a feeling of what it's like to be on your planet. And can, she's... Can you imagine God. how misinformed you would be about, like, a culture if all you did was listen to Top 40 music? Yeah. I mean, it, you, it'd be very limited. Yeah. And, and that's what she says. Well, and it's like... Yeah, of course she says this, but uh, and it put me my mindset into like if you could only uh, if you only experienced humanity through top forty music, mm-hmm. it would be all of this like either egocentric, I'm the best, or it'd just be a bunch of love songs, That's love it. songs, yeah, very very superficial love songs. Yeah, but not even that. It's it's like, what if all they got was top forty country? <laughs> they love their tractors. What's the deal with tractors? <laughs> And back porch sit? No yeah. one's even got a back and porch. Everyone is drunk constantly. Yeah. Day drinking. <laughs> That's what uh, I decided, uh, or, or I observed, is that country music is for day drinking, and hip-hop music <laughs> is for night drinking. Yeah. If you listen to all those songs, in country music, they're drinking on the pa- back yeah. porch all day, and in hip-hop, <laughs> they're partying all night. So it depends on what time you're drinking, you can either listen to country or hip-hop. Yeah, so th- the Enterprise has been listening to that. <laughs> uh Doing analysis right. like that as well, like oh, they drink all day. Yeah. And, they and, listen to and as Marasta points out, uh, that that's probably not going to get you a whole picture of what we're like. And they say, well, that's why we send spies to your planet, <laughs> which is like what? Yeah, eyes sorry, uh, they are spies. They are I know totally they, they spies. go to great lengths to say that they are not in this episode, but no, Riker is a spy. Yes, he is spying. <laughs> uh, no, he's learning their no, way. He was he's not invited there, and he is on the planet. He is a spy. <laughs> So they're like, yeah, we lost contact with uh, uh, Commander Riker, uh, who was the guy that we sent incognito just to observe your culture and to get a better idea than what it's like. Because, you know, we're just sending out harp lady music into the atmosphere. <laughs> what if what if you were trying to get a gauge of our culture from that? No, you'd have to send someone to our planet. So do you, if you have any idea where he is, we'd love to talk to your chancellor about it and Marest is like, all right, I'm going to stop you right there. <laughs> you can talk to Chancellor Durkin. He's probably the most open-minded about it. But don't tell him that you have spies on the planet. That will freak him out. 
Yeah, it's freaky. Yeah, it's a weird thing. Right. They talk about that later. Yeah, and uh, we have this other guy, Krola. He's the head of security. He is extremely conservative uh, when it comes to our culture and protecting it from outsiders. So uh, don't ever bring any of this up to him. So uh, I'm very insistent that you do not mention the Riker stuff until it is time. So yeah, back in the hospital, the doctors are like arguing with each other about what to do with Riker. Uh, one thing that I forgot to mention is that they found his phaser, which he claimed was a toy for a neighbor's friend. And he asked if uh, there is a piece of jewelry. It looks like a gold pin. And they said, nope, we don't know where it is. So, which is weird because how is any of this being translated between the two? Yeah, two I asked you that people. while we're watching this. Yeah. Like, how does he know their language? How does he understand it? Like, did he just study it forever? Did they put a chip in his brain? <laughs> they like, don't explain it. So, listener, if you know, uh, please shoot us a tweet or something, because I don't understand. I thought that the Universal Translator was through the comms badge. Yeah, and he, he doesn't have it. He's, he's lost it, Yeah, yet he can still communicate. I know with the Ferengi, they put it in their head, but I don't think they do that with the humans. So, all of this dialogue, when Riker's alone in his hospital room, shouldn't be happening. It should be like, block, 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 block. Right, exactly. Yeah, so, they're talking about what to do with this guy. They're like... We don't know where he's from, but I don't think he's telling the truth. So the doctor grills Riker about all the stuff that he told him. And he's like, you know, you mentioned a Dr. Crusher that would know about your genetic abnormalities. So, of course, I would reach out to them because we're trying to care for you and your body is weird. <laughs> and uh, we couldn't find a Dr. Crusher. Nowhere on the southern continent. So what are you hiding? And Riker is very tight-lipped about it. So he's like, well, you know what? We're going to find out what you are. And I'm starting to suspect that you're not from here. So we're going to get to the bottom of this. Meanwhile, the chancellor is in his office just stamping shit. Got a little stamp. <laughs> I think he's vetoing a bunch he's of He's just bills. vetoing a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. He's not even looking at what he's doing. Yeah. He's just stamping all day. Because when the president vetoes something, they use a big stamp, right? It's right. a big rubber stamp that just says veto on it. I know. <laughs> well, I, th I think they still have to sign stuff, but he's just stamping things. <laughs> <He's> just st <laughs> and Marasta Yale comes into his office and is like, hey, sorry to interrupt your stamping, but I think you're going to want to clear your he's schedule. He's not even reading it. Yeah, no, he's just hitting things with a stamp. <laughs> She's like, it's like a little kid playing office. It's like what it looks like. Robert Stack, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, she's like, you're going to want to clear your schedule out. I have something I think you're going to want to see. And then... She brings Captain Picard into the room, and it just shocks uh, the Chancellor. It's not that shocking. I mean, I get that it doesn't look that shocking, different, but, but they look the same. Yeah, but they've never seen an alien before. Hey, wait a minute! You don't have ridges over here. Maybe your eyes. he would have been like, "Oh my god, a burn victim!" You know, <laughs> it's like the first thing that he would have said. <laughs> right. But it's not like it's a squiggly his, green. Yeah, I know. Thing. It's like. I don't, it's weird that his his mind. Well, they, they, they it's say not like this, it's a binar walking in. They you know? say in this episode a lot. That they are in a new age of space travel for these people. They are mm -hmm. working on warp technology, so it sounds like the idea of aliens or other beings are on people's minds. But they believe that they're the only people in the universe. So, right? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, uh, Chancellor Durkin is taken up onto the Enterprise, and him and Doctor Yale and Picard—they're going through the ship. They get introduced to Data. Very—it's always the, the big things. Like, they have an android. Yeah. You know? 
Uh, something really irks me about this scene, and it's that the Chancellor is lurk- looking out the window like he's never been to space Yeah, they before. have spaceships, right? It's not like spaceships are new. They're building spaceships. Yeah, they have to they have, have regular them. spaceships. They just don't have warp yet. Yeah. But they're all like, wow, it's amazing. I'm in space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they, they, they mentioned that they're in a space age. Yeah. Well, anyway, I, I guess he's never been on one. I, I guess he's not an astronaut. Right. Most people haven't been to space. But by the time yeah. warp technology comes around, commercial space You'd travel would exist, You'd think that exists, they would right? have gone to space. There'd be, like, like freighters going to the moon to mine right. crystals or whatever is yeah. on there. Yeah. Yeah, where do they get their moon crystals from? <laughs> huh? Answer me that, Gene. <laughs> or maybe Gene is dead by yeah, this Gene's point, right? Yeah, Gene's Okay. Answer me that, Michael. Yeah. Uh, so they're taking the Chancellor uh, around the ship, and he's saying, Wow, space. Wow, a robot. Cool. And <laughs> they, Not quite a robot. They go to the ready room, <laughs> and Picard pours him a glass of wine and like explains to him what grapes are and what wine is and all this stuff. And... Uh, uh, explains the concept of a toast mm-hmm. uh, because he feels that this is a celebration. And Chancellor Durkin tastes the wine and he says, you know, we have something like this on our planet. And Picard says, yes, I feel as if we're very much alike and we have a lot in common. Uh, but, Picard, we are probably also very different. And this kind of gets them into this weird, not adversarial conversation, but Picard is trying to explain, hey, we're your friends. We're just trying to help. We're not going to invade you or anything like that. We're trying to guide you into this very complicated world that you are about to go into with warp technology. And Chancellor Durkin says, well, you know, our history has proven that conquerors always come saying that we are your friends. So forgive me if I'm a little standoffish. I am responsible for a lot of people, and I'm trying to protect them as best I can. So let's take this slow, is basically what he says. And I can't fault him for that. No, not at all. Yeah, uh, so they're they're going through the the first motions of first contact. And, you know, explain the prime directive. One of the things that Chancellor Durkin brings up is, well, this prime directive to not interfere, doesn't that also mean that you have stronger technology and you're going to keep it from us? And Picard says, well, yeah, but that's not the main point of the prime directive. But keep in mind that technology will drastically change your society. And if you're not ready for it, that could be very destructive. Mm-hmm. And Chancellor Durkin says, well, yes, of, of course you're right. Uh, but I'm going to have to go back to my kids and my family like I do every night. And they always ask if I had a good day. And I don't know what to tell them. But I do know that I used to be the most powerful man in what I thought was a universe. And now I am just one voice in a chorus. Uh, so his entire world has changed by being brought up onto this ship. Uh, he had no idea there were other people out in the universe, and his entire belief system depends on that he's the only one, or that his people are the only one. Yeah, his mind just got blown. I think he's <laughs> taking it pretty well. He is. He's doing, you know, the best he can. Right. So this is that weird scene with Lilith from Fraser. Yeah. Uh, we're in the hospital room. And Riker is trying to throw a bench through the window to escape. <laughs> and she's already walked in. Yeah. And uh, this nurse named Linnell, who is uh, B.B. North, comes in and tells her, oh, you can't get out that way. I'll tell you a way you can get out. And she's kind of acting weird towards him, and she's very uh, fascinated by Riker. Mm-hmm. And she says, I know that you're an alien. And Riker doesn't say anything 
that he's an alien. He's like, no, of course not. I'm just trying to, I don't want to be here. I have to get home. Mm-hmm. I have people waiting for me. Can you get me out of here? And she says, yeah, there's a, an escape route uh, this way, but I can cause a distraction if you make love to me. Yeah. <laughs> out of nowhere. Right. Riker's like, uh, what? Excuse me? <laughs> she says, I've always wanted to make He's love to an not alien. not that surprised because this, no, happens, this to happens to Riker all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and even when he's been punched in the face and right. bloody and bruised. Riker's trying to kind of worm out of it by saying, well, I mean, like, this is a weird position. I don't it's, know. it's kind of sexual it, it is a little, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, right? Because he doesn't want to be there. He was trying to get out. Yeah. But they're playing she's it like She's in this. a position of power. He's basically a captive. Right. And he has, he gives in. It's like, He's like, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. If I get out, it's like, oh, okay, that's kind of a weird thing to play for comedic effect. But uh, it was supposed to be a joke. It was supposed to be a joke. This is uh, this is a celebrity cameo because uh, yeah, she would have already. Been she was on Cheers for a Cheers. long time. Yeah. People would have known who BB North is. Yeah, uh, and then she doesn't even let him out. Like, no, her she, escape plan is horrible. Yeah, she like sees this guy and says, "Oh, I think he's dead," and which would draw him into the room to check. <laughs> And the guard is like, oh, my God. She says, no, go get help. So he's gone. The guard's gone. Uh And Riker tries to escape. But there's just another hallway full of other people. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, this causes this big commotion. He runs right into his captors. I know. And And they beat the crap out of him. Right. Holy cow. But one of the funny things that happened is she asks if he'll call. And he says, yeah, the uh, the next time I'm in your star system. (laughs) Which, of course, you're never going to see this guy again. No. What did you expect would happen? And she's probably got space herpes now. Right, yeah. The, this is incredibly dangerous. Yes. She could be pregnant. Yeah. They have to decontaminate people every time they go onto a ship, you know? like <laughs> Yeah. You have no idea what's... They're getting into it. Yeah. Oh, man. Riker's got to get tested now, too. I, this is a very dumb scene. This could be the start <laughs> of the plague. Yeah. So... Yeah, they, there's this big fight in the hallway, and then a whole bunch of guards just start wailing on Riker. Oh I'm just gosh. beating the shit out of him. Yeah, it's uh, crazy. And the doctor, Burrell, has to come in and, and stop everybody, and they're like, yeah, his kidneys are all bleeding now. Way to go, guys. You killed him. Now we got to do surgery. <laughs> Why is the hospital so guarded? I know. It's like, man, we got to do surgery on this guy whose body we have no idea how to do surgery on. Like, he's an alien, and you just beat the hell out of him. So, great. Thanks. Great job, guys. <laughs> yeah, now there's a, another staff meeting in the chancellor's office. You got Krola, the security guy, Maresta Yale, the scientist, and Chancellor Durkin. And they're talking about what to do about these Federation people. Because now everybody knows. Um, Krola is like, look, y'all are being really naive. We have our own culture here. We have our own thing going. And it's been doing pretty well. You're going to have these outsiders come in, and they'll they'll wreck all of it. Society will change, and we're not ready for it to change. And I don't want it to. So I think you just need to tell these people to go home, um, which is an option, by mm-hmm. the way. They can say, get out of here. Never come back, and the Federation has to comply. That's part of the Prime Directive. Yep. Um, but now they're saying, it's like, oh, you know, Crowley, you're, you're overreacting. These people told us they're not going to conquer us, so... Uh, of course they won't, you know. That that never happens. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, Krola is very insistent that they shouldn't let these people in. They, they should have a closed-door policy. 
now it kind of lets slip that there is a spy on the planet. Mm-hmm. Krolin knows. He was like, well, if they're so friendly, how come they are sending spies to our planet? And that's when Marassa Yale uh, reveals that she knew all along because she's trying to uh, not heighten the situation. She's like, no, I know about that. That's Commander Riker. He's a good guy. You don't have to worry about it. He's not a spy. Yeah, he's just documenting everything that we do without our knowledge. (laughs) That's not a spy at all. (laughs) But now Durkin is pissed. Yeah. He's like, you didn't tell me there were spies on the planet. And Picard didn't tell me there were spies on the planet. Now I got to know everything about the Federation, what you've been hiding. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. So now uh, Krola, head of security, he goes to the hospital where Riker is being kept. And he takes full control of the hospital. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm going to interrogate this guy. I'm going to wake him up. So he gets the doctor to just, like, inject some stuff into him. Well, he's got to replace the doctor. Yeah, he he replaces him with one of the lackeys who is Mm anti-Riker, basically. And, uh, yeah, Burrell, because Burrell doesn't want to do it. Burrell doesn't want to harm Riker in any way. He's like, I I have to prep him for surgery. And he's like, okay, well, you'll be replaced. So now you got this other asshole in charge. Mm -hmm. And he's going to let me interrogate Riker. The next time that Durkin meets with Picard... Durkin is understandably a little upset. I would be too. Uh, He lets him know that, hey, uh, we found a spy on our planet. You didn't tell me anything about that. I don't think you should be hiding information from me when you hold all the cards here. You know, we are a low-technology planet compared to you, and you didn't tell me you were infiltrating our society. That's kind of messed up. Uh, And then Picard is saying, look, we had this happen several times before. We've done first contact a lot. Let me tell you about what happened when we met the Klingons. Yeah. We didn't do it the right way. Mm-mm. We didn't know enough about their culture, their likes and dislikes, what they, you know, w- we didn't know how to operate within their culture. So when we met with them, we had decades of war because we screwed up the first contact. I just wanted to make sure that would never happen again, and that's why we do it this way. It's, it's sound, I know it sounds messed up, but it's too... Promote peace. Trust me on this It does more good than harm. Right. In the long run. It's it's solved more problems than it's created, I think is what Picard says. Which I think is true. It it is true, but from Durkin's point of view, like, I get why he's mad. Oh, totally. He's been being spied on. (laughs) Yeah. And Picard was saying that, look, ideally, we would have taken him out without anyone ever knowing he was there. Ideally, we'd be better at our jobs. exactly. But we messed up. And Malkorians found him, so... Uh, now we have to deal with this, but I think we can deal with it. And Durkin says, you know what? I appreciate you telling me the truth. Uh, I, I like that you acknowledge that you screwed up. Um, but I got to make a decision on this. I can't let this slide. You know, my, my people are very isolationist. Mm -hmm. So I'll get back to you with, with a decision regarding this guy. But as for right now, he's our problem. Back in the hospital, Krola has removed the guy, uh, woken up Riker, and is alone with him. And I don't, it's like, oh shit, is he going to torture him? Don't but do it, John Cleese. I know. It's like, Jesus. John Cleese look like. <laughs> so, Krola is saying, I will bring your doctor, who is probably the only person that can keep you from dying, into the hospital only if you answer my questions and cooperate. So, that's like the situation <laughs> that he's in. 
Yeah, he's like, why would, why would, for instance, you have this thing? And he picks up the phaser. Mm-hmm. She said was a toy. It's it's a weapon. Clearly. Like I know, th- I know this is a weapon. And he shoots like his own medical equipment with it and mm-hmm. destroys it. <laughs> uh, Riker is saying, "Well, it's only for defense. It's it's not for offense." Yeah, of course. Uh, it is. It's only for defense. The big ones for offense. Sure. <laughs> we have another one for that. Yeah. But Krola doesn't believe him. He says, "You are hiding weapons. You were spying on us. Why should I believe you?" And he's trying to force Durkin. He says, "There's only one thing." that I can do to force Durkin to keep you off this planet for good. So he places the phaser in Riker's hands and basically forces him to shoot him in the chest. (laughs) So now they're both dying. (laughs) You got two dying people in the room. (laughs) Great job, hospital. Yeah. And uh, so now Dr. Crusher is finally able to, to get down there as they have revealed that Riker's on the verge of death. Mm -hmm. Um, so you have Crusher, Worf, and someone else come into the hospital when the other doctor has just arrived, uh, the, the doctor that replaced Dr. Burrell, to see Krola on, on the floor with a phaser wound in his chest and then the phaser in Riker's hands. So, yeah, this looks weird. Mm-hmm. But Riker's almost dead. Like, he's on the table. And Crusher points out that, like, there's no way he could have shot him or struggled yeah. even because held the phaser yeah, he's up. unconscious yeah <laughs> this plane was stupid they immediately figure out that it's like oh of course Krola shot himself yeah <laughs> well they could tell by the angle too right uh so yeah they're they take all of these people up to the enterprise to fix them uh Riker's gonna be okay i guess they hit the fix it button and yeah his, it worked his, his kidneys are not exploded anymore <laughs> and uh Krola is also in the sick bay uh, and he's recovering. And that's when Durkin comes up to him and wakes him up. And they have, like, this friendly relationship. Like, they disagree with each other. He's like, oh, you idiot. You tried to be a martyr. Yeah. And Krola... But the phaser was set to stun. Oh, okay. So that's, that's why he's not dead. Yeah, it was set to stun. Uh, okay. Proves that it's a defensive weapon. It could be set to kill, though. <laughs> uh, it could become a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they can make it a grenade for some reason. <laughs> But, yeah, so they figure out what Krola did, and Krola's like, look, I did it for the planet. You have to understand, it's best if we keep these people off. And, you know, one day, Durkin, you'll, you'll get it. So they, they're back in Picard's ready room. Uh, Chancellor Durkin is talking to Picard, and he says, you know, you told me earlier that if at any point I decided to end this relationship and, and say you know what, y'all just need to go home, that you would, and that you had to comply. I'm going to invoke that right now, because, look, things have not gone well. And I understand you don't mean harm, but you have to give my people a little a little more time to come to terms with the idea of more uh, beings being in space. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to divert funds from the warp drive thing to education and to social programs to make people ready for the day when we are ready for warp drive technology. I'm not saying we're never going to meet it again. I'm saying that we give it more time. Mm-hmm. Picard is a little disappointed, but, you know, he messed up. Like, they messed up. Riker yeah. got revealed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's like, well, I guess that's what we're going to have to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also shows... 
both the weakness and strength of this race, right? Is like mm. they are isolationists, but at least they're looking forward to progress yeah. and trying to do it in a responsible way. And they're way. trying to do it in a way that their people will be ready for. Yeah. I think he's making the right decision. Totally. Yeah. So and I'm always down to put more government money into education. Oh, right. Yeah. And that's what seems he's like saying. a good place like, for it. Yeah. We got to we got to be prepared for the future before we just start having these technological advancements that will change our society when we're not ready uh, when we're not ready for it. Uh, so now Dr. Marasta Yale has a final request that Picard takes her with him. So he's like, all right, I guess so. <laughs> we can do that. Yeah. I didn't, which is weird. It's kind of weird. Like they take her on the ship. Yeah. Is she a character from now on or? I don't think so. She's if she just... is, she's not very memorable. <laughs> okay. So she's like, okay, we're going to get you a room and all that stuff. Yeah. With, they probably it seems drop like her that would somewhere. break the rules of first contact because Durkin was like, "We have to hide this from from the society." Well, now she can never go back, right? But then a bunch of other aliens are going to meet her, and she's. Gonna I know say where she's they're going to ask where she's from, and yeah. they, maybe they want to go to the planet. Yeah, maybe they got cool know. beaches or something. Yeah, but you know they say goodbye to Durkin, and Durkin is friendly, but he's like, "Yeah, we got to cover all this stuff up." Even though we're sending one of our top scientists with you, which is super weird. Which yeah, seems like it is against the prime directive. Yeah. It, also, in, there might be a human, half-human baby on Earth. Right, I know. Yeah, that could happen. <laughs> so that's how it ends, is that, like, they take Dr. Marasta Yale, and they leave the planet to, like, be in obscurity so un, until they're ready. But it seems like by taking this doctor, who's, like, a, a, a top citizen, apparently, of this society... Yeah. She could be a good teacher. Right. Oh, well. I don't know. It's weird. I guess she's out of a job. It's like, what if someone just showed up and took the Pope? And, like, we're like, okay, (laughs) Pope said he wants to be on uh, doing space travel now. (laughs) He's gone. And, and like, people are asking, hey, where'd Pope Francis go? (laughs) What happened to that guy? (laughs) Like, she is, she knows. we know the last Pope, Pope Benedict, is is gone because he wanted to go to space. Well, he, like, went to a monastery or something. So maybe he did. Maybe Maybe he's in space. space. They just fed us some lies. But she is. All I'm saying, we don't know who's in space right now. But she's obviously a prominent citizen is what I'm saying. Yeah, No one's going to notice that she's gone. I don't know. I mean, George W. could spend a lot of time in space. I guess so. It's like, not like we're checking in on him. We I were guess, just told he was uh, yeah. done with his job. Well, Obama? <laughs> I don't think Obama's in space, though. No, but I don't know. I George, thought it was weird. I I like the idea that it's a top scientist, and you equated that to a pope, who's like I was the exact just, opposite of a top I know, scientist. I was trying to think of just like a, a world-known citizen. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know. No, I get it. I'm just saying. <laughs> It was the first thing that came into my mind of like someone that everyone in the world knows leader. exists. <laughs> I couldn't think of like a scientist that's like yeah, who's on the, the most same famous level. scientist. I don't know, like Stephen Hawking or something. I guess. But this, what I'm saying the, is that like Dr. Yale is holds power. Like yeah, she knows the chancellor. Yeah, totally. who's like the head of the planet. Right. Right. So and she's like talking about budgets and stuff. So it's like, oh, that's like an elected official. It's like if someone just like took a senator. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. But yeah, that's how it ends. Well, Patrick, this is the part of the podcast where we like to rate what we just saw. If we thought it was amazing, must watch Star Trek. We set to kill. If we thought it was pretty good, comes up in the queue. You give it a watch. We set to stun. And if it was horrible, avoid at all costs. We leave it in the holster. So, Patrick, what'd you think? 
I'm going to say this is another set to stun. Mm, yeah. Uh, there was a lot of stuff that was interesting about it, you know, about the first contact and, you know, what is what is going too far, you know. And I think, yeah, putting spies on the planet, probably <laughs> probably a little too far. Right. Uh, but I did enjoy all the back and forth between Durkin and Picard, although, there, you know, there are a lot of problems with it. Troy should have been in this more if we're trying to justify her position on the ship in any way. Uh, some of the scenes were really dumb. Like the BB Newworth scene was stupid uh, and totally out of nowhere. And yeah, the ending didn't really make sense within the logic of the show. Why would you take the doctor? <laughs> like n- you'd have to say, no, we're leaving. You, you, you have to be part of the cover up of this conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. that's fair. yeah. I give it a set to stun as well. Conceptually great episode. The writing on it, however, yeah, it's pretty goofy. It's pretty goofy. There's a lot of holes, a lot of problems. Um, I love the perspective of the episode. I don't think we've ever really seen it from the aliens. Perspective. That's what's saving it for me. Yeah, seeing it from their side, and a lot of it is is not really about what's going on on the Enterprise, but right. it's what's going on on the planet. I thought that was pretty neat, mm-hmm. and I've always wanted to see a first contact. I don't think we've seen one of those yet. Yeah, I'm not sure if we had. We, they talk about them a lot. Yeah. So those were enjoyable. But yes, the writing past that was a little weak. Probably could have used another draft. Oh, yeah. 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 And BB, that scene. <laughs> God, that was so weird. It, so she, I don't know, was like, hey, I want to do a cameo. And I, they that's forced what her I in. think. I don't know. Is that why they were showing Riker about to break the window? Because that's how... In one draft, they were going to get him out of there. I have no idea. Because it would have been the same consequences. I would like to learn more about how she ended up on the show because, like, she was a known comic actor by that point. Right. It'd be like if Ted Danson was on here or something. Oh, there's another Cheers character coming up pretty really? soon. Really? Yeah. Oh. Uh, Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey Grammer is in Star Trek? Yeah. Just no a way. cameo. Yeah. Oh. That's nuts. <laughs> this was a cultural juggernaut at this point. Yeah, though. I guess so. Yeah. Well, Patrick, is there anything you want to talk about before we get out of here? Uh, no, I just want to direct everyone to the Patreon and yeah. thank everyone that contributes to it. Uh, part of the reason that I'm bringing it up again this week is because we have a new, uh, what, what are we calling it? Patrek Engage or Star Trek Engage? Star Trek Engage. Star Trek no, Engage. No, no, Engage. Starfleet Engage. Starfleet Engage episode. That's where we play tabletop uh, roleplay game of Star Trek uh, mm-hmm. that we got early access to last year and a lot of people really enjoyed it. So we're doing more of that on a regular schedule. It will be released on Neon Rivals, but if you give any money to our Patreon, uh, you get to hear the episodes uh, for the first time. Yeah, you get to hear them early. And I'm going to drop some more bonus stuff, I think, onto the Patreon as well. Yeah, but we got the first uh, part of the first episode on there. Mm -hmm. Uh, About 45 minutes of uh, an actual play session that I think went really well. I really like the way that you edited it. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, we got some original music from uh, Carlos Luna on there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, he wrote the intro. I wrote all of the other music. Oh, that's right. So you you got all the wallpaper music and stuff. I did all the wallpaper, yeah. Yeah, he built the roof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I'm very proud of how it turned out. So please give it a listen. Yeah. If that's what you're into. Please do. Um, I'm going to start dropping it into this feed as well. But again, early access on Patreon. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to get a few episodes on this feed. And then all the other episodes are going to be on their own feed. And I'm sure I'll talk about that ad nauseum once they're on their own feed to make sure you subscribe and don't miss any of them. 
you can follow me on Twitter at Pat Likes to Tweet because Facebook is for noobs. Did we? Patreon.com slash Pat Track. Did we actually say where it was? Oh, I guess not. Patreon.com. Patreon.com slash Pat Track. Yeah. Let's see what's out there. Peaches. Hot sauce. Peaches. Peaches.